everybody, and welcome to another brand new episode of T Watches a Scary Movie. I'm T, and of course we're talking scary movies. I appreciate you tuning in for another brand new episode. New episodes go up every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time for the audio-only version on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Just have to search Twasm or T Watches a Scary Movie. And you can find the video version up just 30 minutes later at 8.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time on the YouTube page, which is youtube.com slash C slash Theron Reynolds Scary Movie. Of course, easiest way is to go through the link tree, which is linktr.ee slash T Scary Movie. If you go to my link tree, that'll get you there to the YouTube page, to some of the audio versions. You'll get access to my TikTok. You also get access to my letterbox where all my written reviews go up because yes, folks, I am writing a review for every single movie that I do here on the show this year. And it's been going pretty damn good so far. Uh, I've lost count at this point of how many movies I've uh, written review for, but man, has that just been working out the mind? It's been so good and so refreshing to just get back into this style of writing regularly. And that's actually brought out normal reviews that I've been doing as well too. Uh, I'm sure some of y'all might remember I did that JLo movie, Shotgun Wedding. I did uh, the House Party remake that came out. I actually just got done doing White Men Can't Jump and I'm gonna be doing one for Fast X this week as well too. And hopefully, I can get over to Paint and Polite Society because uh, those are two ones I want to get my reviews in for as well. But check out my link tree. You can get access to the letterbox. You can read all my written reviews that are out there for y'all right now. So tonight, we're in our next week of the After Dark Horror Fest. This is year two of the film festival that I started talking about last year. They do eight films to die for. Independent horror films that were released uh, for a few years there when After Dark Films was hosting this festival. Last year around this time, I did year one. We covered eight amazing films, uh, uh, including Dark Ride, The Hamiltons, The Grave Dancers, uh, The Abandoned, amongst others. And thus far this year, we have talked year two films. We have gone over Crazy Eights and Borderlands. So, I am here to talk about the next two films of our eight, which is The Deaths of Ian Stone and Lake Dead. Don't want to waste any time, though. Let's talk our ratings really quickly so you know where we're at before we score these next two ones. So, both Borderland and Crazy Eights, while they had interesting premises that worked out perfectly fine back in the time they came out in 2007, the issue is, is that neither one of them were particularly interesting. And because of that, both Borderland and Crazy Eights ended with a rating of two out of five. Deaths of Ian Stone and Lake Dead, I'm hoping for something better coming out of them. I don't want to waste any time though, folks. We're going to jump right into it here. Let's start with the deaths of Ian Stone. Now, it feels insulting to say that of the 16 combined films uh, and the 11 that I've watched thus far between year one and two of the After Dark Horror Fest, or at least of year one and year two, because they did plenty more than their first two years, but of year one and year two of the After Dark Horror Fest, so many of them feel very similar to each other. And I do promise, that's not an insult. That's not meant to sound bad in the least bit. What I mean is, out of the 11 films that I've watched in the last year, because some of them were rewatches as well, 
is that all of them were very clearly straight up horror films, okay? You couldn't watch The Abandoned or Crazy Eights, Borderland, um, uh, Penny Dreadful. You couldn't watch any of those and mistake any of them for being uh, other random genres in your head. I mean, they're not gonna be horror comedies, they're not suspense thrillers, they're not sci-fi slashers, and that's important to note because horror is known for having all these different sub-genres, and some of them fall into it, but the thing is is that any of the films from year one and the two that we've covered in year two so far, they all just feel very, very much alike. Like we're not taking a lot of chances. And again, that's not a bad thing at all because if you put out a good horror film, I don't care if it's derivative. I don't care if it echoes something that I've seen before. I just wanna have fun watching it. And that's kind of what's interesting about the depths of Ian Stone is that if you're watching a horror movie festival like we're doing here, and you want to feel something different, you got to get there eventually. Year one, not a big deal because it's the first year of this festival. You want a sense of continuity, not story-wise, but just a feeling of continuity between all these different films. Year two, though, you can't really do that. You have to kind of switch things up a little bit. And it seems that not only does the depths of Ian Stone have us covered for giving us something different, but we might actually have our best film of the festival already, and we still got a lot more movies to go. The Depths of Ian Stone tells the story of a young man, played by Mike Vogel, who you might know from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. Not talking about the most recent one, but I'm talking about the Jessica Biel one from the early 2000s. And Cloverfield, uh, who discovers that he's waking up every day to a new life new job, a new girlfriend, and only the slightest recollection of what came before, with the only catch being that each day he dies a gruesome death to get to this new life. Now, as Ian begins to piece together what's happening to him, he'll seek revenge on the ones ultimately responsible for the endless pain that he's been put through. Now, Mike Vogel stars as Ian Stone, as I said, and his knack uh, for playing likable characters again shines through here with this character. Perhaps a little selfish because uh, we get to see the Ian Stone is at least a decent, decently uh, skilled hockey player. He's a bit selfish out there on the ice in a high stakes hockey game that we're kind of introduced to him with. And when we get to see him working his day job a little bit later, it's very clear that he's a little bit distracted, a little bit complacent with what he's doing at this job as well too, and feels that he's destined for something greater, that there's something different and better out there that's supposed to be happening in his life. But he's going to be shocked at what it's going to take for him to actually achieve that. Vogel's a really likable actor, honestly. I have consistently seen him play roles to where um, this character might have like this rough, gruff exterior, but we find out that it's got just this soft heart inside because he usually does play like the strong strapping, you know, boyfriend or, or young dude who seems like they could be an asshole, but they're ultimately a really, really good guy. And that's perfect here for Ian Stone because each new life that Ian goes through, Vogel has to consistently play the role differently. So it's always something different than what he did with Ian in his previous life and while it's uh, while these differences are not night and day like they're not like gigantic differences from one incarnation of Ian to another incarnation Mike Vogel still manages to make each one feel completely different from the last and that's nice to see because in a film to where 
it's kind of like the same thing is happening over, over, uh, over and over, but we are actually seeing it in different lights and different ways each time. It's nice to have that variety there. Uh, Mike Vogel is joined by Christina Cole and Jamie Murray, uh, who you might know from Dexter or from Fright Night Part 2 or Fright Night 2 New Blood, as it's called. I forget the original one's Fright Night Part 2, but there's also a Fright Night 2. It, it, Fright Night series is so complicated. Either way, uh, Christina Cole and Jamie, Jamie Murray show up as Ian's two love interest as he swaps from life to life. Like each, each one kind of goes back and forth from one girl to the other one. And these women are consistently taking on different roles throughout the film as well, too. Sometimes they're just as simple as his love interest. Other times they're people that he's working with, they're neighbors, but they always have some influence over whatever life that Ian is going uh, going through. And what's interesting here is that uh, everybody kind of gets to play different ends of the spectrum throughout all of these different lives that we get to see presented. Um, Cole, who plays, Christina Cole, who plays Jenny, is kind of like the big positive force across all of these different lives that he has. Murray, uh, Jamie Murray gets to play like the nice person at some parts of this, but then at other parts, it's very clear that she's also serving as a hindrance to Ian as well, too. And the three of them have fantastic chemistry throughout the film, which makes it so much more easier uh, to stay interested with the film each time that we switch up the narrative. And... While we're rooting for Ian and Christina Cole's character, Jenny, to make it through most of the film, um, there's definitely a moment or two to where it didn't seem like Ian ending up with Jamie Murray's character would be such a bad idea. Because clearly, there is actually some love and some care there. And there's obviously a bit of disappointment about the way that things have happened with all of these people who are involved in what's happening in this movie. And so it was very interesting that by the end, even though you know we're supporting Ian and we want him and Christina to work out super well, you can't help but feel it would also kind of be nice for Ian to end up with Jamie Murray's character as well, too. Um, and there is some fantastic creature design in this film, which is not surprising because one of the producers of this film is special effects guru, guru and makeup artist Stan Winston. And our big villains are called the Harvesters. They're a great mashup of the Dementors from Harry Potter, as well as the ghosts from like the Frighteners. Like if you remember Jake Busey's character, the villain in the Frighteners and like that, that big Grim Reaper outfit that he was wearing. It's, it's like a combination of that plus the Dementors and Harry Potter. They were, they were absolutely terrifying. And I love the design of them. And it, it's so cool because they keep popping in and out at certain points throughout the movie and really make you root for Ian when he's running for his life from all these things. Now, if you were to check out the depths of Ian Stone right now, you would absolutely find some similarities with the Happy Death Day franchise. And if you haven't seen those films, the Happy Death Day series uh, focuses on a young woman who's forced to relive the same day over and over, being brutally murdered each day. And at the very least, I mean, the Depths of Ian Stone, it's a similar concept at the very least with that, um, but it doesn't have the humor of the Happy Death Day movies. And I don't mean that negatively, because it doesn't have to be funny here. Happy Death Day does the humor and the horror perfectly with the first film, and the sci-fi and the humor perfectly in the second film. Deaths of Ian Stone doesn't have to be funny here, but I guess more so, what I definitely found myself thinking about was, there's some scenes in the Happy Death Day series where the main character, Tree, is uh, like she's constantly either being killed or she's killing herself, trying to reset the day. 
And we kind of get a bit of that here with Ian Stone. And it made me really wish we actually got one to two more depth scenes, honestly, just to kind of pad this. Because I thought that's one of the better things here about the film. Because this is actually helping the scares out quite a bit. It's a bloody bloody film honestly every single time that ian is killed with the exception of maybe like the first one which is used to kind of ramp us uh, to ramp us up to what's coming all these deaths are very gruesome and gory and bloody and was not expecting it from what seems to be such a mainstream straightforward horror film at this point so i love the fact that they actually raised the stakes by showing that ian actually if these aren't simple deaths for him like he's going through a lot of pain dealing with all of this and that really helped with the scares of the film because most of the time the background characters um they're not really privy to what ian and the other the other like main leads are experiencing they can't see the harvesters they're not dealing with the harvesters so ian and all these other characters are running from them at various points in the film and they're also having to interact with the people around them who clearly have no idea what's happening in the background here um i liked the idea that it kind of isolated Ian and uh, Ian and uh, and um, uh, Christina Cole's character uh, a lot in this film because of the fact that they're basically the only ones who can see these monsters. Because it gives it gives a reason for Ian who is in a better position than a lot of the protagonists and other films that we've watched. Like he has control over what's happening, but at the same time, he doesn't really have much in the way of help here. Like it's all gonna be up to him to get himself out of this terrible situation that he's gotten himself into in the first place, okay? Where this movie falters though, is that when it does mix these genres, um, the thing is, is that the film doesn't necessarily come off as scary as it possibly could be, which stinks because I, I talk here about how we definitely want to see something different, how we want to experience something different, but you can't help but feel that maybe a little bit more, uh, more suspense, maybe a little bit more, uh, a little bit more of dread or terror hanging over the characters would help out because it does feel very light and upbeat throughout the film too, which I know is weird to say that's a negative, but if I had to find something, that would definitely be part of it. Getting a different style of tale uh, has me excited for the rest of the films here that we're looking at for year two. Now, I know five of the ones I have left, six if you count Frontiers, uh, they definitely mirror what came before. But I know at least some of them are creature features uh, that had a lot of people divided when they first came out. If any of them can match up to the, qual uh, the quality of the depths of In Stone, then it's going to be pretty hard to pick a winner for year two of the After Dark Horror Fest. But you can decide that for yourself. Check out The Depths of Ian Stone now. It's available to rent on most streaming rental platforms. Don't go anywhere, though, folks. We're going to take a quick break. I'll be back with my look at Lake Dead. Hey, everybody. Looking for a great way to stay up to date on horror news as well as read the best of articles on anything scary out in the world right now? Then you need to head over to the Fangoria shop and get yourself a subscription. If you go to shop.fangoria.com slash AXDW, you can use my own personalized 20% discount to save 20% off on Fangoria magazine subscriptions as well as 20% off any other items in their fantastic shop. This is a great deal. If you've ever been wanting to get yourself a subscription, now is the time to do so. Head to shop.fangoria.com slash AXDEW.
Welcome back to T-Watch is a Scary Movie. So, folks, we're done talking about the deaths of Ian Stone. We're now talking our second film tonight, which is going to be Lake Dead. This is one of the very few films of the first two years that I hadn't gotten a chance to check out. And what's interesting is, year two, I saw the majority of these movies when they came out. I saw six of the eight that were out at the time. Lake Dead was one of the two that I didn't have a chance to see. So I was super excited to actually check this one out. I remember back working back at Blockbuster, as I said, when I was talking about Crazy Eights and Borderland, and I remember this movie getting returned all the time, like when somebody would rent it. And that's noticeable because when you start to see the same movie come in a bunch of times, clearly that means that a lot of folks are renting it. I couldn't tell if this is a case of there was a lot of word going around that this was a really good movie, or if it was just the cover. It had to be one of those two because... In case you've never heard of that, back when rental stores were open and were a thing, a lot of times folks would come in and rent movies based on nothing more but the cover of the DVD case itself. And Lake Dead actually has a pretty kick-ass DVD case to it. And after watching it, I'm going to just start this off by telling y'all I really liked Lake Dead. I really enjoyed Lake Dead, but had I watched it in 2007, wouldn't have sat with me at all. I was big about the creature features, about slashers, and while this isn't a ghost story, which is what like the cover kind of makes it seem like it could be, it uh it still probably wouldn't have interested me as much just because of all the factors surrounding it. Now the story here talks about three sisters who inherit their uh, inherit a motel from their recently passed grandfather. Deciding that they want to get a chance to go and check things out, they decide to head out to this uh, motel that's on the edge of a peaceful lakeside community, or so they think, but they'll soon find out that once you check in the Lake Dead, there is no checking out. <laughs> that's pretty good. Uh, the most obvious thing that stands out here about Lake Dead is going to be the production quality. I will never hit an independent film over the way it looks because obviously big budget blockbusters, they have the money to ensure that they look like this big old professional theatrical film. Sometimes independent films don't want to focus their money on that. They'd rather focus on cast, effects, things like that. And I can respect it. But I think that a lot of people likely avoided Lake Dead because if they saw it, it's very much an experience where you have to like independent films or not. It doesn't look like a lot of the other films in the festival to where they have this like nice polished look to it. And again, I don't mean that as an insult. I understand where the money had to go to for this film. I think they, they spent it in the right place as well. If you can ignore that unpolished look, then you're actually in for a really fun time. Writer Daniel P. Coughlin's uh, story invokes a lot of horror franchises that we've at least seen one entry at some point in our lives. The Hills of Eyes, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Wrong Turn, Deliverance, all franchises that share more than a few similarities here with Lake Dead, and it's clear that Coughlin um, has watched most, if not all, of those well enough to pull some of the more standout elements from those films. And there's nothing wrong with that. Horror is derivative, okay? It copies itself all the time. There's not a lot of new, unique ideas that we're getting. But... It's definitely noticeable with Lake Dead once you actually kind of find out like the backstory of the villains and what's really going on. You're absolutely going to say, oh, I know that movie. I know that movie for sure. Uh, director George Basuto is able to actually bring up some of the more explicit gore that we've seen in this festival thus far too. The very first kill, or I guess second kill of the film involves an axe and iron bar and some ankles and 
my lord did they ever elevate this movie with a lot of blood and gore to it and usually films with this kind of budget end up making things look cheesy when it comes to gore it comes to blood all that kind of stuff and also it's worth noting the nudity very much seems like you're watching a late night cinemax movie as well too zero offense taken those were the the, the you know the core of my childhood right there growing up but uh if you can get past get past again the the production value then there's a lot here to like it's like very clear that everybody knew that they were kind of making like this cheesy b movie and it works out extremely well this is the kind of movie you go home and put on at 2 a.m in the morning when you got back from the bar after having a few drinks you got the taco bell nearby and you just need to chill with something that's going to raise the heart rate but you don't have to commit too much of your brain power to it honestly I enjoyed Lake Dead. I don't have a lot to say about it because, again, it's very derivative and there's not much unique about it, but that doesn't make it bad. It's just, it is what it is ultimately. This is one I definitely think I'll be coming back to on a yearly basis, honestly, because it's such a simple, accessible film. But if you're not a big fan of gore, definitely going to be something that you're going to be not checking out all too often at all because it really is bloody. It's not going to revolutionize anything. It's not going to become a horror favorite at all, but it offers just enough to set itself apart from the other entries of the festival thus far. So as we end this episode, here's the scoring, folks. The Deaths of Ian Stone ends with a four out of five. That's right, it gets a four out of five, while Lake Dead gets a three out of five. Lake Dead is ending up here with a three out of five. So both Dean Stone and Lake Dead ended up better than Borderland and Crazy Eights. We're going to see how our next films work out here. Folks, make sure you're subscribed because next up in the series here, we're going to be talking Unearthed and Tooth and Nail, two films I am so excited to watch again because I have not watched them in years at this point. So make sure you're subscribed and stay tuned, folks, because I'll be back with more movie reviews. I'm T. We've been talking scary movies. Stay scared. Hey, everybody. I appreciate you tuning in for another brand new episode, movie review, game review, whatever it is now at this point. Don't forget, you want to get subscribed to my official channel so you can stay up to date for when I'm dropping new episodes, reviews, news, whatever it is. The best way to do that is get subscribed to my link tree. That's going to be linktr.ee slash T scary movie again link tr.ee slash T scary movie that'll keep you up to date with new videos podcast links for the audio only version as well as my letterbox where you can find written reviews get subscribed and don't forget keep watching scary movies folks stay scared